Hey everybody, Mark DeSalvo here, and welcome to the DeSalvo Performance Hour. Thank you for downloading another episode. If you're listening to this, you're probably listening after you kind of went through our brief hiatus. So just to fill you guys in, the first five episodes of this podcast were kind of like my dry run through it at the end of 2019. Uh, But now we have guests booked for a couple weeks out at a time at least, so... Uh, starting when you listen to this, keep checking back every Monday. We'll be posting all the new episodes. Uh, and to kick things back off, I got a really great one for you guys today. Uh, my guest is somebody who uh, I've been training jujitsu with for at least four years, probably. Um, but don't let that fool you if you're not really in the realm of combat sports, because even though he is a great veteran of all combat sports, uh, he's also somebody who is a really impressive entrepreneur, I think has a lot to say and a lot to offer to people who are kind of either looking for motivation or uh, maybe just some type of example of someone who has uh, been through a lot and done some really cool things and come out, you know, on the other side of all of it uh, quite adeptly. He's got a tremendously positive attitude. Um, His resume highlight includes uh, his most recent appearance, he was uh, seen cornering uh, the 125-pound champ, Valentina Shevchenko, uh, at her most recent fight in Houston. Uh, he was a big part of that camp, and he owns the UFC gym in Hoboken, so if you've ever been along the waterfront there, that's his gym. Uh, like I said, too, he's a re- he, he probably in some ways is like an East Coast MMA historian in some ways. We got into a little bit of it today, but um, he's been around. He's, he's seen it all. And on top of that, he runs a really successful real estate business in North Jersey. So uh, I think, uh, and just an all-around good guy. There's really not much else to say there. Uh, great conversation, one of the most enjoyable I've had thus far. I think you guys are going to love it. Uh, we get into everything from sports and high-level athletes coming up, staying on top, uh, business, entrepreneurship, relationships. Uh, It's a little bit of everything. It's kind of what I envision this podcast hopefully being from the very beginning. So please uh, enjoy and uh, check out Rich Van Houten, everybody. So you were saying when we started that you you started or you were personal training? Like how long ago was that or how did you get into that? Yeah, so I opened up my business, my gym. Um, This is the UFC gym in Hoboken? The UFC gym, yeah. It was originally called the LA Boxing. Okay. So I bought a franchise from LA, LA Boxing, mm-hmm. um, probably like 14 years ago, wow. 15 years ago. And then it took a while for us to open. Uh-huh. There's a little crazy story on how that happened. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I mean, I was 23 years old. Um, I was working. Wow, you were young then. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I was working, first job out of college, I was like a project engineer in a, for a big construction company in Jersey City. Right. Um, wow. And then I left that this to do like a sales job mm-hmm. with one of my best friends and his family. And I just realized I had like an entrepreneurial, you know, um, right. mindset and like, that's what, just where I wanted to be. I wanted to work for myself. Yeah. And, uh, I wrestled in college and I was learning, trying to learn, like trying to box a little bit. I was doing jujitsu at the time mm-hmm. and I saw a franchise called LA boxing. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> So I was like, man, this would kill. Because like right. at the time, there was no like boxing gyms, or mm-hmm. kickboxing gyms, or like I would even say like MMA gyms at the time. There was like a few jiu-jitsu gyms around. Right. And then there was like hardcore boxing gyms like Gleason's and that type. Right, yeah. Or there was like 
Thai bow classes at a regular gym. Yeah. There was like no happy medium. So when I saw LA boxing, I was like, dope, let me go check this out. Right. So I flew out to LA and it was like this rugged gym like uh-huh. on the beach. Tito Ortiz, his boxing coach. Oh, like, wow. All these professional fighters were teaching these classes and it was all like women. And right. The guys taking classes. So yeah. you capitalize and monetize and make money right. off everyday people. Right. Yet you could take it to like the advanced level and like actually learn how to box. Right, from right. Like real fighters. Wow. And at the time I was like going to Gleason's the box and it was just like tough, man. Like a lot of those trainers don't want to like feed into people that aren't are like a white kid coming in off the street like learning how to box. They right. These prospects. Right, yeah. Their time into. So Yeah, exactly. It was an yeah. awesome happy medium. I bought the franchise rights to Hoboken and it was an early franchise uh-huh. and uh, my business partner at the time this guy I used to work with we took out some loans mm-hmm. we borrowed some, borrowed some money from family and we actually um, heard of this like large investment that was taking place uh-huh. and <laughs> how all good stories start <laughs> it turned out to be a Ponzi scheme oh no and we lost like after putting after buying the franchise fee after putting down the security deposit for our rent which is like on the waterfront in Hoboken. Oh, jeez. So yeah, yeah. We had like the first deposit for our contractors and then no money after that. Oh, jeez. We lost it all in a Ponzi scheme. Oh, fuck. $100,000. Oh, like my God. I quit my job. So it was crazy. It was crazy. But and I can write a book on how I finally opened the gym. Right. But you should. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. 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 Other than like beg, borrowing, and stealing, you know, I, luckily I didn't have to bring on any any other partners. And, right. And we were able to open open the doors. and. Wow grinded it out and that's amazing made it made it happen what about like that's that's wow that's incredible what about like the when you to lose that much money at that age do you not have a concept of it or do you have a I concept when you're of young, it and like, you're just like all right that age, go. i think that's the best time to try something right? i agree like, yeah like when you're like 23 to 27 28 mm-hmm. like when you're before you're 30 and you have like a lot of responsibilities like if you have a passion i'd say go for it yeah and, and i feel like if there is something inside of you that fires you to be like, I want to do this. Right. That's one thing. But if you're like, I need to do this, like this is me, like mm-hmm. do it because you, you'll make it successful because you'll put your heart into it. You right. Know? And so I knew like once the doors open, it was going to be fine. Right. So it was just getting there. Yeah. Yeah. So there was like a hard, like eight months to a year to like come up with the money to like hold off on like coming up with some schemes yeah yeah year, like <laughs> to push the rent back even further right right you know without telling them we're broke you know? yeah so, yeah of course wow so, yeah. that's incredible so did you did you have any background at that point in personal training or you had or you I were was, just like i'm gonna get I into was, this um, a wrestler in college i was mm-hmm. doing jiu-jitsu i was boxing um no like you know sales experience and i i was like my first job i kind of got thrown into the fire where i was you know project engineer like and project manager for a school in Jersey City. Right. I was 21 years old. Yeah. You know. That's a lot. I looked like I'm a baby at the time. Yeah. And I was running, running foreman meetings. Right. For like all these union workers. Yeah. They were like in their 40s that didn't really want to listen to me. So. Right. You know, it kind of helped me like learn how to talk to people. Right. Um, and yeah, and then I got into sales. So like. Yeah. Building consensus. And yeah. Building, but then yeah. I was like. You know, my passion was always fitness and right. training and working out and right, fighting. Right. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's that's a, that's a that's a hell of a start. So <laughs> I think like when yeah. I first opened the gym, I made it a point to to like seek the best 
Muay Thai instructors, the best boxing instructors, the best boxers. Like, right. make sure they're all like professionals mm-hmm. in their field. So it gave us a lot of credibility. Right. And then I, like, learned from them. You know, learned right. from them, I, and I learned like on the fly. I was training right. with high level guys all the time, and then I just started fighting. Right. Promoters would come in the gym. Hey, you have any fighters? I'd be like, Yeah, I'll fight. Yeah. And oh, so that's how you started. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So that's cool. And so, did you? Was the idea that you would have these instructors like that and you wanted to kind of appeal to everybody or did you did you have ambitions of having like men and women that would come up as as pros like your pro program versus you know for everybody else or to make money Mm -hmm. you need to cater to everybody right right but you need to cater to the masses like the fighters are maybe one percent of your target right right your athletes your high level athletes are probably Right for you, yeah. It's it's small. It's small, yeah. And you're not going to make much money off them. It's more about the right. experience. It's about your passion. Correct. It's about helping yeah. people. Definitely. And then you know the other side is you know you're driving some revenue in. Yeah, like, exactly. So, yeah. So, I mean that was like more passion. That was more like you know money driven to like fuel the engine. Yeah, definitely. I mean that's a lot of like kind of where we're sitting right now. Like I, one thing I grew up loving was strength sports. I love powerlifting. I liked weightlift Olympic style weightlifting even though I was never good at it and never yeah. really, but I just admired it and always liked it. But like growing up, the only places you could go to powerlift were like I mean, you probably could visualize it too. It's like they're like dirty rough, gyms, like rough, rough dudes. Gyms, yeah. yeah. Like not a place when you were like a kid like me who wanted to like walk in and be like. And, it, and it's intimidating. It's like, it's she said, yeah. like kind of looking at you like. Yeah. It's like, it's an ego check. Like everyone's trying to like. Yeah. Down. And I, when I was that young, I didn't have that type of like self reassurance like that. Like, like now I love going to powerlifting gyms. Like yeah. I'll walk in and those guys can lift like four times of me, you know, yeah. at, 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 on the drop of a dime I don't care but I, I just love yourself exactly it took your like, knowledge you know right exactly but like back then I wasn't and you know I but I loved powerlifting and I loved I love barbell sports and I and I those environments were are kind of inherently still unapproachable for some people so there's still a lot of people who are interested in lifting and who are interested in, in performing or working out that way and one thing I wanted to give was like a legitimate environment. Like this was built in the image of a powerlifting gym, but it's approachable. It's like nobody in here is like you saw when you came in. No yeah. one in here is a dick. Like no one no. ever wants. Yeah, to. and I think it's the culture that you create. Mm-hmm. I think one thing about my gym, and and you you know ask anyone that, that goes there or works out there, you know can attest that like you know we built the culture culture from day one that like there's no egos. Right. You know, and everyone's like family. Everyone's welcome. Right. And the instructors like teaching there so like right when you have that environment yes people like come in and they can be themselves and they can feel comfortable right like at the end of the day if you know what you're doing if you're a fighter like Mm -hmm. you're humble right exactly it's the people that don't know what they're doing that think they're like macho and tough exactly I still get a kick out of it because I never go to like fitness gyms you know like crunches Mm -hmm. or yeah retros or those type of gyms and when I do like everyone has their headsets on they're like trying to impress yes you know? exactly and then you go to a gym like even like Marcella's you go to a gym like that like mm-hmm. high level high level jujitsu athletes and right. everyone's like super cool and friendly yeah exactly yeah because you know? they know they're badass you know? right there's exactly. a difference right there's, they're not trying to prove anything no. yeah that, exactly and that's honestly at the end of the day how most like barbell gyms are like those those rough scary places everyone there it's the same thing it's the same ethos it's like yeah 
no one like they'll help you if they see that you want to come and show up like they'll ask you to lift in their group like they'll ask you to do oh, that's cool. you know it's like that'll happen you know and, and there's a lot of great barbell gyms in the city now that have popped up over the years that just have some strong people and they're all cool people like I, I know a lot of them and they're it's so it's this it kind of has that jujitsu like mma school ethos oh, in some awesome. ways yeah. Like yeah yeah so it's but you know, like I, it was the same idea here. I kind of wanted to create sort of the same space that people who were maybe just uninitiated to it, like could come and try it out. And feel welcome. See, yeah, and feel welcome, and then still have people come in here who like you know, they can throw around a lot of weight, and you know, they are legit at what they That's do. Awesome. You know, so yeah, cool. definitely. So, um, so let's go back to the fighting for a sec. So once you said the promoters, they came in and like they're looking for. Like opponents for guys that they had on their cards, yeah. and then you were just and like, I was Let training. Me do this, I was training with, you know, all my instructors at the time were fighters. Mm -hmm. So I was training them and training myself, and like we were kind of like right. just a crew of like working out together. Right. And um, you know, we had a good jujitsu guys at the gym at the time. We had this guy Jay Hayes, who was a brown a brown belt, and then he got his black belt, mm -hmm. and he was with JT Torres. So JT Torres was still like a brown belt. Right. Like when I opened the gym, he was coming in training with oh, us wow. and working out. And I was doing privates with him like oh, that's awesome. on the regular, like when I started fighting. Yeah, yeah. So um, we always had like just high level guys around. We were training. And then, you know, when promoters would come by looking for fighters, we had a few amateur guys. Right. And the amateur circuit's a little different. Like, you know, you prepare for these fights and then people back out like left and right. Yeah, yeah. So I think my first like two or three Mm -hmm. cards or fights that I was supposed to fight on fell through right oh wow yeah and I remember I was going to one that I was supposed to fight on and I was bringing this guy Gil who I was training with and training and we you know he fought I ended up not fighting my guy didn't show up and there was this kid Mighty Mouse on the on the card mm -hmm. this short little black stocky kid yeah and he knocked this guy out and like I think the first round. Wow. And we get in the car, and it, my, my friend Gil was like a little ghetto. Mm -hmm. And his boy, it was like the Dominican driving us home. He's like, oh, you got to see this kid, Mighty Mouse. He was nasty. I'm like, dude, I would whoop that guy's ass. <laughs> He's like, no, you wouldn't. So he kind of bet me there. Right. So like when I got back the next day, I reached out to the promoter. I said, when's that guy fighting next? I want to fight him. Right. So then I, I ended up fighting him for my first like amateur fight. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this is a different Mighty Mouse than the yeah, Demetrius it was Johnson. Yeah, yeah. That's what I figured. Yeah, yeah. It would be nice to have him. Yeah, I was going to say, that would be a cool amateur win. <laughs> yeah. No, he ended up that's going cool. on like afterwards and winning a bunch of pro fights. He was tough. Oh, that's awesome. But yeah, that was my first amateur fight. Wow. And how many did you, did you eventually have pro fights or how many fights did I you have? I had the amateur fight and then I had a bunch of amateur fights that fell through and then I was just like, I'm ready mm -hmm. to fight pro and, and mm -hmm. I took a pro fight. Um, for the UCC, it was like a, it was like a local organization mm -hmm. and... Uh, this is all in Jersey? Because there's Jersey. Yeah, camp yeah, in New York. Yeah, a kid who was 1-0 who got like a first round knockout in his oh, wow. first fight and then, yeah, I ended up knocking him out in the first round. So oh, wow, nice. I wanted to continue going with it and uh, I tore my ACL. I got a herniated disc in my neck, and uh, it was just like a hard recovery. Right. And then by the time I was done, I was like so consumed with training clients. Right. And it was just like hard for me to like put that aside and put my energy into training. Yeah, yeah. Like training people all day like will zap your energy. Oh yeah, and totally. And it's hard to do two days or whatever. So I kind of put it on the back burner, and then it kind of like just drifted. Yeah, yeah. You know? And right. I put more energy into like training people and training fighters and, and into the you know, I still have yeah. a passion for it. I love MMA. I love jiu Yeah, yeah. You know? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's funny. A lot of the, some of the people I've, 
been lucky enough to interview and just cross paths with over the years who like had their own like impressive athletic resumes but then went on to become really good coaches they all say some version of the same thing that it's like it is really hard to be an athlete and a coach at the same time oh, like, it's, yeah it's, it's like impossible. if you yeah if you can pull it off it's amazing but like it's it's just it, I, I tend to agree I think um, one guy that was on the podcast he said that he always felt like you have to to be a good athlete you have to be a little selfish and to be a good coach you have to be a little selfless yeah. because you're gonna have to give up your time to like to to be able yeah, to, and, to mean, train and put those guys first yeah, when, you're, when you're training it's not like you're training for a triathlon or you're training to go run you're training to get into a cage and fight somebody yeah so it consumes you for sure yeah. every day you're like I need to do more than this person so you're trying to do you know workouts mm-hmm. wise yeah. a day you're trying to push it and then it's you know you need your rest and recovery for sure so yeah. if you're like dishing out your energy to clients it's 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 a hard balance right right so, definitely and that's yeah. why you see like a lot of fighters now like they they have to give up you know like their other job or whatever else they're doing and be like I'm going to go all in on this. Right. And go for it. Yeah, yeah. Or that's it. You know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's 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 not something like it, it's funny cuz like to use the powerlifting analogy, that might be the one sport where the coaches like for a while hang with the athletes cuz they all live together. Yeah. But like every other sport, you're like fighting for instance, you're literally training to fight somebody else and like it's I think even the mental like relating to other people because as you know like when people get into jujitsu or 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 any combat sport that's like a lot of your social circle too so these are like the this is like the feedback you're getting from other people and so it's like can be hard to go into normal situations i think you know yeah so like and relate to normal things it consumes your life yeah definitely it's hard to like be a good personal trainer right or a good coach if Mm -hmm. you're focusing on your improvement you right know? right Where on the other side like you said you have to be selfless yeah so if you're trying to like improve and help others mm-hmm. it's hard right it's hard. exactly no totally so I kind of like found the crossroads and you know at the end of the day like I feel like if your goal is not to be the best mm-hmm. especially in in like a combat sport yeah if you don't want to be the UFC champion or if you're in jiu-jitsu and you don't want to be a world champ like your goal is not to be a world champ right like, why are you doing it yeah exactly like, I did yeah. that with wrestling in college like I wrestled in college and I went to college being I want to be a national champion mm-hmm. and as soon as my desire like partying and whatever else and like people weren't as motivated on the team and everyone was like you know kind of partying so I was like kind of lost the drive and as soon as my mind switched to be like I don't want to be the best of the best right like, why am I gonna right spend all my time killing myself yeah, doing two a days, you know, not enjoying my younger years of like partying and having fun. Right. So like, just be on the team. Yeah. And just have like a winning record or make conferences. Like. Right. I just didn't think it was. Yeah, was, yeah. You know, and definitely. I, I, yeah. I feel the same about, you know, like MMA. If you don't want to be the best, and you're not going to put everything into it. Yeah. There's too MMA you're killing yourself. Yeah, you're beating your body up. You yeah, know? yeah. There's too much on the line to. to and there's too to many be... people out there that are hungry. It's you true. Know, that's yeah. why it's so hard to be like a stay a champ. Right. Because you have all these. As soon as you get comfortable, you have people that are sleeping at the gym, mm-hmm. waking up and just like. Right. Well, dreaming of it like that's they're so hungry for it. Right. Exactly. They and then take what you have. You know. Yeah, and I mean, 
this is something I, I wanted to ask you about too. Like it would seem to me that like the, what my impression is always when you have somebody who rises the ranks that was that young guy or girl that comes up, becomes the champion and might have a very public blueprint. Now everyone saw that blueprint. They can do the same thing and now they're just going to be on your shoulders and now like they're button heads with you. you know? Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not, but no, I yeah. mean, from what I've seen, yeah, I mean, it's definitely tough to like you set a goal and then you achieve that goal, it's hard, now you have to set a new goal. Right. right? So it's like when you're the top of the top, like what goal do you set? I want right. to be the greatest ever. Right. So I want to defend my title like 15 times. Like it's gotta be hard for John Jones to wake up every day and be hungry. Yes, Right. exactly, like, I was thinking wants of him. Everyone to yeah. fight him. Mm -hmm. Like he's been there so long right. that it's like, what drives him now? Right. You know, now he has three daughters, he wants to be a good father, like right. he wants to give back to the community. And he wants to be known as like the greatest right. mixed martial artist, but it's still like, how do you wake up and go five, right, five minute rounds with another guy who's so hungry? Right. His whole life he just wants to be the champ. Right. Now he has the opportunity, and he'll do whatever he can to like get there. Right. Absolutely. And you're yeah. kind of just coasting, like mm -hmm. you know, I wouldn't say coasting, but right, it's different, you know. Right. Well, you've kind of, from your perspective, because you've seen sort of all levels from amp like amateur circuit in New Jersey now to the top because like we were talking before but your resume now includes cornering and having worked with Valentina yeah and yeah. so that's so you've so you've seen like both ends of the sandwich like everything yeah. you know I mean do you see um, do you like she how many defenses has she had like two or three or two or th yeah, yeah. I think that was a third yeah so are do you hear discussions like that around her camp at all like or do you I mean, see someone like her just, just as very still motivated? so hungry right mm -hmm. and she loves being where she is and I don't think she sees herself being anywhere else mm -hmm. so I think to take the title from someone like that that's she's still so hungry to prove mm -hmm. you know She's a martial artist, yeah. too, so which is so cool. Like she loves like continuing to learn, right? Continuing to get better, continuing yeah. to win in different facets, you know, like yeah, yeah. Whether it's on the ground or it's head kicks or whatever. So I think she's just like she's envisioned it since she was younger, mm -hmm. and she's very like militant and, and disciplined, right? That for someone like that with that personality, it, it's going to be hard. Yeah, it's gonna be hard, and Definitely. that's why she's so dominant, mm -hmm. you know. Right. So. Right now in that weight class, I just don't see anyone really giving her a run. Right, you know? right, definitely. And she might have to go back up and fight. Man, yeah, yeah. Has, but well, that would be, yeah. She's open to it. She wants to fight anyone. And, like, she, I think she's fighting again in June. And that was, like, too far away for her. Like, she yeah. wanted to fight sooner. Right, right. So. I just saw they booked her, right, against yeah, for um, June, yeah. Yeah, Calderwood, right? Yeah. Yeah, that'll, yeah. That's going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Where is that? It's in uh, Australia. Wow. Okay. So that's kind of for you guys as coaches. Is that like when you see, like, if a fight's in Australia, basically like a world away, like time zone wise, like yeah, like me when I'm thinking, I sometimes think sometimes these things fall on the strength coach of like, all right, how are you going to adapt to being like 24 or 23 hours ahead or something? Yeah. You know, or well, that's yeah, not I'm that sure much. But, go you know. out like you know ten to two weeks earlier mm -hmm. and spend time in like get right into training right you know? mm -hmm. and just like shake the body out and then yeah get her rest when she needs so i mean she's very focused right One thing i noticed is like i was out there in houston for 10 days with her and they don't waste energy on on like pointless conversations or stuff that doesn't matter to their goals like she's 
probably the most focused person I've ever seen. Yeah, that's um, interesting. Yeah, where yeah, I mean, she trains hard, and then she, she's just like always so zoned in. Right. And they're on, she's on such a good rhythm with her coach because mm-hmm. it's the same coach she's had since she was like five. Right. That she has such respect for him and mm-hmm. trust for him. Right. And I think that's important for any athlete, like to have a coach, a mentor like in business or someone that you trust so much right that you can you know that you've been with that knows you so well right right exactly yeah, yeah I think that's that's kind of a especially in such a high stakes sport that's probably even more valuable like I know like even in, in this field that's valuable but like shit if you're getting like <laughs> like kicks and punches thrown at your head oh, yeah. and, and you know and there's that's how you're making your living and that could have lasting impacts either way like I yeah, I mean, I, I think like you know? the one thing that's that you need to focus on the most as a as a high level athlete is your mind, mm. you know. And I think especially in combat sports, it, it's such a mental, yeah, such a mental game. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you can get out of your own head, you get the experience of competing a lot, you know. And you can just see like it's visual. They visualize that they're gonna win, right, over and over again. And they visualize themselves in the cage or jujitsu guys like. Gianni or these guys that the train they visualize themselves right. winning and competing and they compete so much that it becomes second nature to right them. yeah of course the nerves come yeah but I feel like if you don't have nerves then you don't care yeah exactly right? yeah like, yeah you're so passionate about it and you want to win so bad that the nerves are going to be there no matter what like right no matter you know anyone can say oh you know like you fought so many times right like, to to Valentina but Oh, and you're you're supposed to dominate, but it's a fight. Anything can happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that's interesting that you say because I I hear that from people who are around like very high level people at whatever it is they do. It, it usually comes down to the mind because to be at the top ranks of MMA, we already know your physical preparation is probably like as good as it can be, yeah. and you're starting to look for these like differentiators. Is it your mind? Is it you know? That's why I. I mean, I think recovery is tremendously important, but I think that's why you see like recovery probably being like probably approaching like a billion dollar business is because other people are trying to just one one up one another, you know, competitively. That yeah. is, you know. Yeah, and I yeah. think as the sports grow, jujitsu, mm-hmm. MMA, combat sports, um, I mean, there's just more people getting involved with it. Yeah, and they're definitely. just putting more time into it. Yeah, so like you always feel like you want the edge. Right. right, and that and that edge is going to give you the mental edge. Right. So if you're training harder and more often than anyone else, you're going to be confident. Mm-hmm. Right. So exactly. You're like, but then at the same token, you need rest and recovery. You exactly. Need to move your body, right? Right. So it's it's yeah. a tough balance, and I, I I guess everyone's body is different. Right. So you would have to. It is. Kind yeah. of play with stuff to see what works best for you. Right. But like before, you know, back in the day, like Marcella didn't believe in strength training. He right. Just believed in. I remember, yeah. And just jujitsu, like just train jujitsu. But even now, like he he mm-hmm. believes more in doing other stuff, some cross training. Like he does right. Pilates and he does some strength stuff. Yeah, and, I was just gonna and say. Now yeah. you, you see more of the athletes today in jujitsu, like doing a lot of strength stuff. Like Gordon Ryan's huge. Right. Like he's lifting almost every day. Exactly. Yeah. Know? Exactly. When when I saw him and like his transformation and then the subsequent dominance of the sport. I was like, you can't tell me now that strength doesn't matter. <laughs> like when you watch that, you know. So it's yeah, and like you said, it's it sets a tone for people being interested in it. Like jujitsu to me was always interesting because when I started training and like I was already doing this as a career when I had started training jujitsu. That is, and uh, the one thing I noticed is that any like 
principles of strength and conditioning or any modalities or whatever you want to call it. It was all like weird stuff people were into. It was never like, usually when you go around sports that basically have money in them, so like football, yeah. basketball, baseball, like these sports, there's really good coaches and because there's a lot of money that was poured into the science and studying yeah. things and how it affects people, even Olympic sports. And the track and field, like Nike's probably responsible for more track and field studies than like anyone ever. And for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, but anyway, like jujitsu, there, was, there wasn't really any money in it. So like, it just wasn't very well studied. And I always was like, man, this, this is, I, I just liked it so much. I was like, this kind of deserves a little better. So I, yeah. that was where I was like, ah, let's, let's see what we can do. Like, let's, let me, like, I want to be able to, to help so these guys. So over like the I last couple of years, you've been really studying yeah. kind of like the recovery and the strength process. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah, definitely. That was like my thing. Once I, I was like, once I got my blue. So what if, if you don't mind me asking yeah, yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, go for what it. Is that, what does that look like? Like, right. as far as like how often you feel like a jiu-jitsu athlete mm-hmm. should strength train? Right. Um, like what the recovery looks like? There's like, like, yeah, go for it. Yeah, uh, there's basically two considerations I would say. One is, is you have to be honest with yourself about what your level is, like in terms of if you want to be a competitor or if you want to be someone just recreationally, because that sort of changes things a little bit. Yeah. Um, if you're going to be a competitor, the reason the reason that's important is you're probably training a lot, like five days a week, like so you don't. In reality, your strength and conditioning needs to manage that fatigue, so you can't train in here five like four three four days a week if you're training jujitsu that much so really your optimal amount is probably something like two days a week so a lot of programs i write for guys who are are at a high level or or even if they're not at a high level but just compete often is usually two days a week like while they're getting ready when you start them off do you do you start them off slower like lighter weights more movement Mm -hmm. like getting them accustomed to these new movements because like the one thing i noticed like when i was fighting mm-hmm. or even like when I was just recently training jiu-jitsu a ton before like I got my black belt right was I don't want to be sore for my next training session right exactly right? Yeah. so like I didn't mm-hmm. want to like do powerlifting because then I was like man I'm not gonna be able to walk and then yeah. I gotta go train with these killers and yeah like, my exactly. body's gonna like I'm gonna be like fall apart right exactly so you I'm know not gonna perform as well you know? yeah definitely no that's it that's a huge thing to to account for the the thing that I usually um, the thing that I'm usually doing is it's I'm looking at the individual. So like if this person is already strong, like I have different strength standards, like different things. Or you can just look at someone and just yeah. see like how they're moving around, how they're doing like the weight room. Yeah, yeah, they're both strong dudes. I don't need to sit there and like be like, mm, you're not deadlifting 400 pounds. So like, you know, yeah. it's like that. No, it doesn't matter. That's not a thing that matters. Um, what you know what you want to look at there is like the problems they're having like if they're telling you this i mean i'm just kind of giving you a hypothetical this is not those people but like if someone's really strong but maybe they feel like they're they're they they can't repeat consistent like hard efforts they'll say something like oh i go for a sweep maybe a second but i don't have the gas for a third if i miss and i like it's there but i can't do it like that's like kind of a power energy systems problem so you might want to work on the endurance a little bit but you also might want to work at the other end of the spectrum with like more explosive exercise and endurance there so um you know and then there's some people and then this is that other side of the coin that i was saying like the recreational athlete is that a lot of people that are attracted to jujitsu 
are usually into jujitsu because they don't like working out and it's like a it's it's it gives them like the physical satisfaction of working out it gives them the community they probably are into martial arts or fighting even like on a recreational like they like to watch it but they don't like to work out like really so that becomes a problem because jujitsu it doesn't matter if you're doing it for fun you're still like like I still roll with Mateus and he still can throw me around and like I'm still feeling the effects of it or you are not you but like this hypothetical recreational person so you need to like prepare your body for that so um, a lot of those people usually lack mobility and strength so like you know basic shoulder and hip mobility they a lot a lot of times will complain about you know neck aches and things like that so I'm always working on basic strength exercises to make sure their posture is good um, like posterior chain stuff is really big so basically making sure the, the all the back muscles glutes hamstrings calves are strong because you're going to be in deep knee flexion you're going to be in like deep ankle flexion hip flexion like you need to I mean jujitsu is like a series of flexing and extending oh, yeah. your hips you know so you need to have really healthy hips really healthy glutes and, and that's, that's, that's universal I've always had tight hips yeah, and yeah. like it hasn't helped with jujitsu like right yeah. sh- I mean it, it opens them up a little mm-hmm. bit more but they're still like yeah so wound tight you know right mobility at any level is kind of a problem a problem I think like it's just help helping people understand where where they can move and can't move and then you know it and at that point you usually start to see where the individual like really doesn't move well because i've had some people whose hips are like super mobile like someone like rayhan like he's he's incredibly like mobile and flexible same with munch yeah exactly yeah i don't know (laughs) yeah i asked him that one time (laughs) but but like Rayon, for instance, like he had told me, I like to ask questions. Like one thing I love doing when I'm around high level people is figuring out how many questions I can ask them without annoying them. Just because I, I want to know like what. Yeah, but that's what makes you a good coach. Mm-hmm. So like in business too, like even, you know, I do real estate and in sales, I've been, been coached by some mm-hmm. of the best coaches in real estate in the last couple of years. And they always say selling isn't telling, it's mm-hmm. asking right. the right questions. So when you find out, you know, like... So I love doing the same thing. Like right. I love asking questions and seeing like how someone got somewhere, right. what they do, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's technique or yeah, yeah, what their motivation is or their story. You know? Right. Like, exactly. Yeah. It's cool. You no, know? it is. Yeah. And that's how you the, learn and you grow and. To, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And like to that point, when you're around someone who's really good in business, sports, or otherwise, like they got there to that point because of something they were doing right. You know, they might have flaw. Everyone has flaws, but. They, they did the bulk of what they did was probably pretty decent at least in that realm to get them there so the way I always look at it is like well let me see what works for you because that was one thing that Charles Poliquin taught me is that like everyone sort of has a different personality type that should affect their training and I've heard people describe this on so many different levels this was something Steve used to say a lot it's just everyone says it differently like he would say that like some people because he was training before I think it was 2016 Olympics um Helen Maroulis and um, Victoria Anthony, and they were training partners. Wrestlers, wrestlers, yeah. yeah. And they were both like they would come to his gym and train with them at the same time. And he said that both of them had such vastly different personalities. He had to like kind of structure their training different. And one of them was extremely competitive and was like, "Well, why is she doing like this and I'm not?" And he was like, "That's because." I'm going to botch it, but he's like, he's like, that's because she has the personality of a Hellcat and you have one of like a sleeping giant, like it's, or something like that. So he still like stroked her ego. Yeah. And like made her feel all right. Right. Yeah. I mean, 
And that's what that's why I think like you know, great athletes don't always make the great the best coach. That's very true. Right? Yeah, because they might have their way of the way that they mm-hmm. learned, mm-hmm. and they might force that on people. Yeah, exactly. Whereas, like you notice the the best coaches are open. They're always asking questions. They're always learning from other people. Right. And they learn how to adapt to each individual that they train. Right. Right. Everyone exactly. learns differently. Exactly. So, exactly. A hundred percent. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. No. Definitely. It's it's a hundred percent true. It's like I think when I, when I was coming up, I played hockey very like competitively from the time I was like this tall until you know late teenage years. But I remember when the pack started to separate, like I could see like, okay, like I I hit puberty before everybody else so I could play with the bigger guys and I could play for longer. Like it made up for the skill because I was physical enough to kind of keep playing. But as I got a little older, I was like, oh, wow, okay. So I can keep up with these guys, but I don't have the stick handling skills to like to to be able to, you know, be be a first line center. Like I just I need to bring that up. But like the rate at which I was bringing that up was so much slower than the way everyone else was coming up around me, and I that was when I started thinking about coaching, and I started and I would talk to the assistant coaches. I'd be like, like, have you ever thought about like X or Y or why does this work or why does this doesn't work? And that was when I, the bug started in my head as I was like, I bet you I could do that. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I like this because I like being around it and I love being, I, I love thinking about these problems. But I knew that I just whatever it was, it was like. I could work on it, I should, for sure, but my mind just worked differently, and I just I was I drawn to it. And I didn't start wrestling until my freshman year in high school, mm-hmm. and I, I was a very competitive person. So, mm-hmm. you know, my first year, I like wrestled varsity. I was probably like five hundred, mm-hmm. right? Like I probably was like twelve and twelve, and then I was like, that's it. Like I hated losing, so I quit every other sport and just focused on just wrestling. Right. And that's cool. <laughs> luckily, I had like a great coach mm-hmm. who was like phenomenal, and my off-season coach. And he would have me teach the kids class. Right. And he always said the best way to learn is to teach. And I'm happy that I learned that at a young age. Like yeah. When I was like probably 15, mm-hmm. 16. Because it's true. When you start teaching, you start realizing all the little details that were taught to you. Right. Exactly. That you're not actually doing when you're competing. Right. Or training. So like I always made it, you know, a big effort to like teach more. Right. Because right. Because it actually helped me grow. Right, and yeah. I still do it to this day with like with real estate or with my gym. Like, I always try to like you can't be. I always say you can't be uh, a tour guide of a place you've never been. Like so that, like you yeah. have to be there. Mm-hmm. You have to have been in the trenches. Right, and have done it. Right, right. But then it's good to like it, it's good to to be in there doing it with them. Right, right. Like teaching because then you learn. You're yeah, I'm learning as I'm doing this. Right, like right. As I'm teaching them to make phone calls for real estate, or like as I'm teaching at the gym, I'm like relearning like yeah. combinations and punches and yeah you get sharper like, yeah yeah you get sharper yeah definitely i even noticed that too uh we were talking before about rc and he's been on the podcast and like when he started teaching masters at master sky like it was like a not even a year ago like his game from then to now it's just like it's like in, insanely like it, i don't have the words to like yeah. just to that that trajectory of how much better he's got like you look now you're also a coach right so people look up to you yes so now there's like an accountability level yeah so now you're learning outside of teaching right you want to be a good coach right and for those that want to be a good coach and they want to have an impact on people and they want to help right right Mm -hmm. from from an actual place of helping right they're going to spend the time on the outside like learning new techniques yeah fine tuning stuff trying to come up with systems Mm -hmm. right it's different just like show move and then 
then like next week, oh, I'm going to show this. And then next week, oh, I'm going to show this. Yeah. But like if you want to actually care about your students or care about the people that you're trying to help, like you try to come up with like a system that will work. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Of course. Yeah. Like when I was just in, um, in Houston, um, and Valentina obviously had her fight coming up. So we weren't doing a lot of technique. Right. It was just a lot of training and a lot of situational stuff. And I was putting her in different positions to just give her a look to make sure she was comfortable there. Yeah. And then she would go off and train with her coach, like hit pads at the end of the session. And I would work with her sister, Antonia. Mm-hmm. And each day, like I would just add on right. a little bit more, a little bit more. And the other guys that were training with us, you know, were like blue and purple belts in jiu-jitsu and they wanted to learn some of the technique. Mm-hmm. So... I think like the second day, the guy came up and said, hey, um, can you teach me that? I'm like, sure, like get in my back. And mm-hmm. I said, Antonia, now you teach it. Ah, yeah, yeah. Because it was fresh, I'm like, I taught her for two days the same technique. Right, right. So now she was like, wait, I don't know, I, I can't, like, yeah, she had yeah. to think about it. And I'm like, all right, think about it. Right. Think about the details that I, and so I made her go through it and teach it. So I had her doing that almost every day afterwards. Right. Like she, I would teach her, we would drill it, we do situational training, and then I'd make her teach it to one of the guys and have uh, them come over. Right. And it wasn't even necessarily for those people. Right. It was for her. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and that's cool. And then she cool. like it stuck with her, and now yeah, now she feels more comfortable with it. And then right. I, I noticed when she was training live, she was getting to those positions. She's able to react. She was like, because a lot of the time it's just small little details that they're missing. Right. Yeah. Definitely. So. Definitely. Yeah. That's uh, that's really cool. I think too that you probably would see some level of that if you go into a lot of high level camps i'm sure there's that that like fertile ground for learning like i think i think when people are really comfortable with their coaches they, they can, can tell there's dialogue mm, yeah right? exactly exactly like you were saying that you know you started training rayhan right like right like a mm. long time ago and and he's a doctor he's a smart guy so yeah i'm sure he challenged you and asked you questions about different stuff right and there's dialogue there yeah, definitely. So you can ask him like, "Hey, does this work, or did that work, or how do you feel after this?" Mm-hmm. And there, and with that dialogue comes growth, right? Right. With communication. So right. I think that's key, like for any athlete, you know. Right. Definitely. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, the funny, the funny thing, like that, I was reminded of when you were saying that, is that when he, the one instance I could think of where he thought something I gave him didn't work it was weird because like this is where sports get really weird is that. Um, I gave him this this gas tank, I called it a gas tank program, it was basically an endurance program because he was like, you know, I feel like I'm getting beat to the punch a little bit, like I'm just like getting a little more winded than I should like in rounds, especially in these situations. And so I gave him this like cardio program that I came up with that I had been testing on myself. And I was like, I kind of like it, it seems to work for me, let's see if it works for you, we'll just make some modifications like that make, yeah. makes it more specific. He did it for about five weeks, He's like, and I was like, so do you think it's, do you think it's helping? And he's like, I... He's like, I don't know, honestly, like, it's, it's okay. It's like, he goes, I, I don't feel, he's like, I don't feel as winded, but it's not as usually like acute as I usually feel changes when we like make a change. And then six weeks later, you asked me that question. Yeah. And I was like, all right, cool. And then he had just gotten his black belt. And then he entered as many tournaments as he could because he wanted to qualify for worlds like earlier than everyone. And so, but and he won gold three of the first four tournaments. And I was like, 
I was thinking to myself, I was like, I said, did you feel good cardio wise? He's like, I felt great. And I was like, well, do you think that program was still bad? And I was like, I'm not offended. It's fine either way. But I was like, this is the interesting thing. With, speak for it, exactly. Yeah. It's like it, it, in powerlifting, it's like you lifted the weight or you didn't. But yeah. like, and you could hit that in training, but you have to go hit it again on the platform. Yeah. But like in, in jujitsu and these other sports, it's like, yeah, okay. You have great splits on like the Aerodyne or something else, but it's like, you have to go win yeah you have to win exactly so we had this funny thing where it was like it it wasn't even like i was right you were wrong or whatever it was just kind of like huh i guess it kind of worked or i guess things are okay like we we did it right you know that kind of thing and you know most you know i i tell that story to tell the bigger point of like the trust that like nobody was trying to like out posture one another there we were just like huh like yeah that worked (laughs) yeah it's a team exactly so i think i think that's Mm -hmm. like in, in anything Right, exactly. If you have a team atmosphere and you trust your coach and there's dialogue and yeah, I mean. Definitely, yeah. Have you been in, in flipping gears a little bit still on that topic, have you been around athletes that like maybe were sort of journeymen and like kind of on their way out or were sort of like, um, or like how the mentality changes over the arc of a career, I guess is the bigger, broader question. Or have you been more around like starts, middles, ends? Or no, I, I've had I've had both. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had people that are still in the game, still mm-hmm. taking fights that probably shouldn't be. Right. Yeah. Um, whether it's for paychecks or whatever, but mm-hmm. different reasons. Right. And uh, or just the love to still compete. Right. I feel like when you compete so much Mm -hmm. and especially in fighting there's I mean even jujitsu there's like a dopamine level yeah and like an adrenaline right like it's hard to translate that or or get that any anywhere else right so I think like people just are drawn to go back to it Mm -hmm. no matter how many times they're like oh I'm retired I'm done yeah like oh I want to go back and do it like Conor McGregor yeah exactly he's retired he made so much money and yet, he still wants to be right. the spot, in the spotlight. He still wants that adrenaline because like, there's nothing else like it. Right, I mean, yeah. And and I've been around like some good fighters that won, you know, in front of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. And then like last week, you know, two weeks ago, I was in Houston. Right, at the yeah. Toyota Center that was sold out. And I don't know how many of that fits, 15,000? Yeah, probably I mean, more. Yeah. <laughs> this was like yeah. packed. And like walking out with Valentino, just like the adrenaline and like everything, I'm like, damn man I want to fight yeah right yeah I'm 40 years old you know right yeah yeah and uh you could just tell like even after you know she's so militant before and then it was just like a weight off her and like you know that feeling of winning yeah whether it's a jiu-jitsu match or a wrestling match when it's a one-on-one sport Mm -hmm. it's it's different right it's like MMA like you get your hand raised right it's it's a different feeling and I feel like people are like addicted to that yeah definitely yeah yeah, I the reason I ask is because uh, a, fr- a friend of mine who was also on the podcast, uh, going back a few episodes, he works mostly with NFL players, and the gym that he works at in Scottsdale, Arizona, like that's almost who they cater to exclusively. And he was talking about how like when there's guys there, and it's a little different, obviously, with the pay structure of the NFL versus the UFC. Yeah. But the moment he hears guys say like you know, like, this is my ninth year, whatever, like, I'm kind of feeling whatever, he's always like, if you want out, be out, it's fine, yeah, yeah. like, like, just get out, like, this is not the sport to, 
to fuck around with longer than no. you have to. Especially like, with like the head trauma that you're starting to exactly to yeah see like no Hernandez like all these guys like you know yeah exactly you don't see it right away but you see it down the road right and I find that with like with MMA too mm-hmm. um, I I used to work I cornered Jamie Varner from the WC and UFC right I remember him. Uh, yeah, a while yeah. back and mm-hmm. and he actually wrote like a really good article like a few years back about hard sparring right and he was competitive so this, he yeah. sparred like he would spar really hard mm-hmm. and I think if you're sparring often and hard the longevity for you is like is gonna be a lot shorter right so I, I think it's like if you go to Thailand right what I've seen is like they do majority of their fights when they're kids right because kids don't hit as hard right that's interesting you're not taking yeah. as much trauma right but yet you're getting all this experience right and then when they spar they don't spar like super hard right mm-hmm. they like it's almost like these drills it's like playful yeah it's like yeah. playful they're not taking a lot of head damage right and then they go they go fight and they do their thing but right you notice that they don't get as much head trauma as guys mm-hmm. that are like like boxers right exactly right? they have these bigger gloves and they have headgear yeah. so they think they're okay and they can take these punches and they spar so often but you're getting your brain moved around so much more exactly yeah for sure for sure so I think yeah. boxing there's more head trauma than any other sport and then football too because you yeah. have these helmets on you don't realize the impact that has yeah. every time you hit somebody and you're just you know? like when you're in those pads and even hockey too like you feel kind of invincible like you'll launch yourself like, and the adrenaline's falling yeah. so much that you don't exactly. feel it when yeah, you exactly. a fight when you get hit mm-hmm. like you don't feel it you're right like, let's yeah. go like, exactly yeah. yeah totally and you know laughter you're like oof yeah no exactly that's yeah I mean that's that's even like on a lower level why going back to what we were saying about jujitsu strength and conditioning why people will feel so good in the moment like when they're when their bodies are like real heated up they're sweating they can stretch they can get in these angles like oh, i feel great and then an hour later they feel terrible and it's because like they're putting their body through the ringer when they're when they kind of have that dopamine adrenaline yep. um you feel like you're stretchier than you really are and just the strength isn't there like yeah. you just don't have the ability to do that you need to it needs to you need to bulletproof yourself a little more and like flipping entirely too. the other thing about the head trauma is like it's not even always direct like I know like getting checked in hockey it's like your body goes one way your head goes the other like that's the brain yeah. rattling too I mean I had concussions in hockey that like I remember at the time like no one would have thought was a concussion but now I think back to it and I'm like oh god that was well, I've had fractured skulls I've yeah, had like four concussions. Oh like, god! And yeah. you don't realize it. And like you know, they said when I was in high school, like they didn't want me to play football, right? Because of the head trauma I had, like as a kid. Oh wow! Just because I was wild, like, you know, I was yeah. always trying to do like flips on my skis and. Oh geez, yeah. You know, I've had two concussions skiing. Mm-hmm. Just like yeah, a wild kid, you know. But right. You don't realize how much it affects you down the road. Right. Know? Yeah. Definitely. So I feel like if you're an athlete and you're, you're like, hey, it's time to hang him up because I'm taking too much trouble, like. Yeah, do it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, and one of the reasons I wanted to have you on too is because, you, you know, you were in it, you're coaching in it, you still are, you, 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 like, have this intense interest in fitness and coaching and everything we were talking about. Yeah. But then also you have a really great real estate career too, like a yeah. whole other lane, like another lane you can take it. And, like, because I don't want to, and this is something that, like, I've talked about with other friends who are involved in other sports where the guys are getting out. It doesn't mean you always have to like be around the sport. You could like take that and invest in something entirely different. And that was why 100%. I thought you were an awesome example. So I know that that's, that's something that people have talked to me about. So I wanted to 
show somebody like, no, there's this guy rich. He's got a great real estate business. Yes, he's still in this other stuff, but you don't have to do anything to do with your sport anymore if you don't I want to. I think everything's like, you know, a balance. Mm-hmm. Like as you get, as you get older mm-hmm. and as you step back, like, you know, I'm 39 years old, but I mean, mm-hmm. I'm still, I just got back from training Marcel. doing two rounds with Gianni and like right. rounds with all these high level guys. Mm-hmm. So I still like being in the fire and pushed. Right. My body obviously doesn't recover as fast and yeah. obviously I'm a little more tired afterwards. But, um, that being said, like, wait, what was the question? I'm sorry. No, I was just, it, it was, I was going to ask you about how you got into real estate or like oh, what, so, what gives you your fire there so and think, everything else. I think I just, with the entrepreneurial mindset, like mm-hmm. I always wanted to have my own gym, my own right. business. And I always wanted to have like revenue coming in. So if like, I didn't want to have to work and I could take off a Friday and go train all day, right. I could do it. Right. Some money would be coming in. Right. So I found that I could do that with real estate too. Right. Like, so I, instead of just jumping in and working for a company, I was like, right. I don't do well with that. So let's, yeah, yeah. let's just do my own. I never did either. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I started my own and you know, you just have to trust the process. And a lot of the time I just learned as I went, but mm-hmm. I feel like for athletes, they, they need to like think of their next form of right income. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, they're, everyone's competitive. Right. Everyone's, you know, in that level of like jujitsu, like especially around like Marcel's like high level black belts, they have ways to like, you know, you can open up your own school. Right. You can do kinda of like what Marcel did. There's so right. much stuff online now. Right. That people want to learn from yeah. people that are the best at what they did. You yeah. Can, you know, you can do podcasts or you can do Yeah, exactly. You know, like yeah. Online do what Bernardo training, did, yeah. Online training. Yeah. I mean, Bernardo's a great example. Marcel yeah. is a great example. Exactly. MG in action. I think that was like one of the first ones. That exactly, like yeah. People started subscribing to, and now it's like, it's blown up. Right, yeah, exactly. He was like ahead of the time in a lot of ways. That wasn't really like a common thing back then yeah. to have those subscription services. So I always yeah. think there's a niche and there's a way to try to mm-hmm. find. Definitely. There's there's always a need, right? Jiu-jitsu is... The cool thing about jiu-jitsu... Yeah, is it's the adult martial arts. Right? Yeah. Like as a kid we grew up there was like karate, taekwondo, all that stuff. And you did it as a kid and then it faded out. Right. Now like you see jujitsu, like it's everyday people coming yeah, in exactly. from work and relieving their stress. Right. And then it's problem solving and they want to get better because they don't like getting beat and then they're yeah. like hooked on it and then it becomes like a lifestyle for them. Right, exactly. So like, yeah. There's such a big market for it where I think everyone can win. I do too, yeah. Absolutely. So I feel like you know, jujitsu athletes, for example, can, you know, can make money doing privates. They can make money doing seminars. They can yeah. make money doing online stuff. They mm-hmm. can make money doing school. Right. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and they're also, there's those same qualities too. If like they are interested in something else. Like I remember uh, one of my clients was always telling me that he would go over to one of these uh, like hotel, it was like Ace Hotel where they have like the stump town and they have like yeah, a, yeah. it's like a nice place to sit and hang out he said i'd go over there i'd walk past it every almost every day after training and bernardo would be there like on his computer and he would be like and this was like before bjj fanatics was a thing but like he was building up his own personal blog like recording stuff like figuring out email list yeah and, he, and like he just went up to him and was like he's like he asked bernardo what he was doing and he told him and they turned out they had like a common interest there and That's like awesome. but yeah it's like th- i I got a lot out of being in that environment once I heard that story about Bernardo and I always him and I always had a good relationship so like I loved especially when he was at like his world title run 
I just loved seeing what he was doing every day. Like I just liked going into the gym and seeing like the habits of a winner. Like the, and the best part about Bernard is he always had a smile. On his face. Exactly. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And that's contagious. Yeah. No exactly. Yeah. So I feel like if you're a good person and you always want the best for people and you're happy, mm-hmm. like people like to be around that. Exactly. You know? So I mean, yeah. No matter what field you're in. Hmm. You'll succeed. Right. Exactly. You know? It costs nothing to be nice. That's what, <laughs> that's what it I, doesn't. I, and I, I feel like there's it. I always say like. Or this thought just came to my mind the other day. Like, are you doing things to impress or are you doing things to impact? Right. And mm-hmm. like, and I think it's a question that I ask myself before I do stuff. Right. Am I doing it to make an impact on someone's life and help them? Right. Or am I doing it to try to like impress? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So, um, I think if you come from a place of like good intentions. Right. It's going to get you far. Yes. Because people see that. Exactly. Yeah. No, you end up in places that you sometimes feel like whoa how'd I get here you know right. like for example like training with Valentina and being in her corner and, yeah. and working with her it was like oh like yeah. it just happened because she came to the gym and I wanted to help her and I just right. I didn't have any intentions around it like I wasn't like hey let me take pictures and say I'm training with her and like yeah. and all that type of stuff like it just happened organically yeah exactly yeah. Like if you if you put in the hard work no matter what it is and you have good intentions like eventually God will reward that right exactly I always believe that there's more good in the world and there is evil in that oh, sense like I've always believed that I've, I'm an optimist like that, that and it's perspective it's, yeah know? exactly if you have that perspective yeah you're gonna go around being a lot happier right you're gonna live you know each day you're gonna be like oh man like yeah exactly and then like attracts a good day yeah exactly I can't wait to help somebody right like yeah. instead of being like oh man I have to go to work like no I yeah. get to go to work today exactly I get to help people exactly like, yeah mm-hmm. and that's contagious more people want to train with you more people want to be around you like, 100% you create a culture of like right just improving the people around you and I think that helps yeah 100% I think that uh, one of the big lessons there too is like like attracts like like you were saying too like you're like I get to do this like like if you want to impact somebody you're gonna go find people who want to be impacted or people who want to like actually they're looking for the same thing you are whereas if if it's like you're just in this drudge you're just like you're gonna find other people misery loves company but so does positivity honestly (laughs) that's how I look at it yeah Yeah. because a lot of personal trainers I would talk to they would always complain about clients or this or that and I'm like I I never could relate to a lot of that stuff because I was like, uh, people get mad when someone cancels. I'll be like, whatever, I got an hour now. You know, I think it was to... a struggle that I, I've had in the past, yeah. and I and it's it's helped me where I used to, you know, compare myself. Yeah, and I used to be like this guy's doing good. I should be doing better. And and I don't think I really started to succeed. And maybe it's not succeed in like a financial level, right? Like where you know the money comes. But I think it was more of like a mental success, right? Where I yeah. was like in clarity, where I was like, you know what? Like, I want to elevate these people. Right. Like, instead of talking bad or wishing bad on them, right. I want to wish success on them. Yes. Because like, I feel like you won't have success until you're in that position yeah. of wanting others to succeed. Right, right. And once you're there, it's just a good state of mind. It is, know? yeah. And especially in the fitness industry. Like, the people that are good trainers mm-hmm. and they have a passion for fitness and helping people, they want to see see other people in the industry succeed oh for sure you know? yeah like, definitely they don't want to see like there's enough to go around yeah it's definitely. one of the biggest industries in the world yeah for sure it's everybody always growing wants to too, help yeah. their you know their health and their right. fitness and getting better shape right and it's continuing to grow so you know I feel like that's pretty cool you know you see people that right you know are in the same industry but they still want other people to succeed yeah exactly yeah no I I don't think I could have said it any better. <laughs> no, definitely. So, 
what's uh, what's next for you? What do you feel like is the like big project? The reason I ask is because a lot of cool stuff has happened. I mean, you got your black belt in the past year, yeah. is that right? And then you, you, we were just talking before with the real estate, you're opening another office and expanding. You just had a this really great cornering gig and, and, and yeah, fighting, you have the gym. Yeah, I went out yeah. to LA, I was able to train like a pretty cool celebrity out there. Oh, that's cool. And uh, he's going on tour, so maybe, you know, we'll see with that. But I just feel like, I just want to leave the door open for opportunity. You know, and I feel like if I'm just doing my best at what I can do, right, opportunities will come. Right, and if I'm chasing money, it's yeah, not, you're not gonna be successful. Right, you right. know, I, I think uh, money will come. Yeah, and I think if there's something that you're passionate about and you can put your heart into it and you actually want to help and impact people, right, money's gonna come. Yeah, absolutely. So I think you know, you know, I'm blessed, and I think there's been some cool opportunities, and I always try to surround myself with people that are positive and that are you know top of their field and you know right and can have some influence on me the one thing um you know having my own business my gym having you know two real estate offices Mm -hmm. and being consumed with that having a lot of employees i always kind of felt like i was just always leading and pouring Mm -hmm. out right and i felt like it was hard to like get poured into yeah yeah and so you know I have a real estate coach and I and I talk to him like once a week for 30 minutes right but it's quick yeah yeah right so the one thing I've been seeking like this season of my life because right there's seasons it's a good way to put it yeah in this season of my life I feel like I'm really trying to seek um, more leaders in different avenues different areas like people who've been married for 20 years and have a successful marriage like trying to seek advice from from them on my marriage um, business guys that are like been in business for a long time mm-hmm. um, trying to seek advice for them spiritual you know like pastors like I want right. to pass them for information like on whether this is right or I should be doing this and right. and I feel like this season of my life I'm trying to get more people in in my life that I can look to as leaders and look to it for like advice right. and I think as as combat athletes as strength coaches or personal trainers we pour so much into people yeah that it's hard sometimes we just feel like we're drained right right i feel like sometimes we need to look to like other people mentors um to kind of like pour into us yeah definitely i was going to ask you uh i'm glad you brought that up because that was something i would have even asked you personally like how you go about that like how did you come to that realization for you because it sounds like for you it's it's mentors it's finding people who you can talk to and and help kind of give yeah, back I mean, in some I, ways I think, or, you know i've lived you know i've had the gym for over 12 years i was young when i opened it right it's on the waterfront in hoboken I, I think the first like eight years i was living in hoboken i was young i was partying i was right. fighting i was teaching classes i was having fun and then as i got older you know your ego kind of goes away right you kind of like open up to more wanting to help people make an impact on people right and like you know become more spiritual and you know so I started going to a great church and you start like learning stuff you know right. that, like that helps you and, and you know your interest snowballs yeah. yeah yeah that's so, cool yeah you know I, I have like a connect group with like a bunch of athletes mm-hmm. jiu-jitsu guys I know you know Paulo mm-hmm. yeah I was coming He's oh cool some guys from unity and then like munch comes right um Phil, like a bunch of my fighters, right? And uh, the, the church I go to is in Hillsong mm-hmm. in New York City, and we do it at their church office like once a month. Oh, cool! And it's just it's just cool to see like guys in this industry that yeah, are like yeah. 
personal trainers or macho MMA fighters or yeah, jiu-jitsu yeah. guys and everything's like in right be vulnerable yeah about like their issues because like right. you never you, you don't see that with guys you see it with women right they call right. them they're girls and they're like oh this is happening and yeah. as a guy you keep everything in right. I think it's very healthy like and you, you realize that as you get older to like open up more yeah about your struggles right open up you know and vulnerability I think is like is like a, is huge for building relationships 100% like yeah. it's hard to like yeah. get to know somebody truly mm-hmm. if you're not vulnerable first right exactly so, yeah yeah you need to have that it's it's part of being honest because yeah yeah 100%. yeah because it's not really honest if there's not it doesn't not that everything has to be bad it's just you know not everything has the positive spin all the time yeah yep. like you said yeah being and I real. Think, what's being that being real exactly yeah <laughs> exactly yeah and it's no that's awesome that's really cool to hear that's I, I think that we live in a good age for that like people starting to understand um, whether it's whatever label you want to put on it, mental health, whatever it is, like how important that is to just being and existing, you know? And um, that's that's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. What was, was there a moment where you felt like, or is there was there ever something that was most, because you're doing a lot, like was most burnout worthy? Like that, in other words, I'm trying to think the best way to ask this question. Because I know for me, like I'm getting to a point too where I was like, wow, I'm doing a lot, like, from the time I wake up till the time I go to sleep, and, like, still not everything is ever done, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. that that feeling I think, gets... I think the one thing that I've realized is, you know, I have, like, massive ADD. Mm-hmm. I always I have. do, too. <laughs> right? And uh-huh. I think with... I can get so distracted. Yeah. Right? Especially, like, I can go to the gym to do a small task. Like, uh-huh. hey, I need to, like, help hang a bag up, or I need to make sure, like, this is done, or you know, go over my cash flow or go over my goals with my right general manager. Next thing you know, I'm there for three hours, like BSing with instructors and I didn't get anything done. Right. Right. right? And exactly. I can't do yeah. that right. with my time because I have goals I have with real estate. I have goals I have with a gym mm-hmm. and I have a marriage. So I want to like, right, exactly. have a, you know, mm-hmm. I want to thrive with my relationships. So the one thing that, um, I always try to do is, and that's time block, you mm-hmm. know, I like, I have my planner and it's like, Every morning, eight to eleven, I'm at my real estate office, right. and I'm doing like phone calls, and I'm prospecting, and I'm feeding my funnel. Then, and when I'm doing that, I'm not thinking about the gym, I'm right. not thinking about training, mm-hmm. I'm not checking emails, like right. everything's That's down, I'm doing, and yeah. I'm focused on that. And so, then you know, then from eleven to to like one or two, like I try to train, whether mm-hmm. it's go to Marcellus, whether it's training with me at the gym, whether it's like now that you know I'm I'm getting older, I'm trying to recover more, like. I love doing yoga. Right. I love doing movement stuff. I like doing Pilates. Right. I like doing CrossFit. Like I like doing kettlebell stuff. Right. You know? Right. So yeah, it's yeah. like I'm trying to. Yeah. Every yeah. Sunday I write out my schedule for the week. Oh, that's cool. And yeah. if it's not on my schedule, it doesn't exist. Right. So I write it down. I have to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. And obviously, like you visualize, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever read the book Miracle Morning. No, I don't think so. No, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I advise like anyone that's listening to this. Oh, no. Who wrote it? Want, um, I don't know. I'll Google. Yeah, it's Miracle like, Morning. It's, yeah, it's Miracle Morning, and it talks yeah. about like um, all successful people have a routine in the morning mm-hmm. and do it before everyone else is up. Yeah. So wake up at five a.m. Write down your affirmations. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm thankful for this. You know, I'm thankful I have this. Um, I am a great personal trainer. I am 
a great strength coach, right? Know, like whatever it is, and you feed into yourself, then you visualize mm-hmm. like your goals. Yeah, yeah. You write them down, and then you you, you meditate or you exercise, right? And then you go on. So mm-hmm. it's cool. I think it's I forget like all the keys, but it's like scribing, journaling, right. affirmations, visualize. Like mm-hmm. all this stuff before the morning starts, right? And it sets your routine. Yeah, because yeah. I, I mean, I don't know for you, but for me, like a lot of time, one of the first things I do is check my phone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right? and it's like, yeah, I know. I made actually an agreement with myself a few years ago that the first thirty minutes, it's like it's loose. It's like twenty to thirty minutes that I wake up. You don't go anywhere near the phone. Yeah. I just wake up and I go sit on the sofa, walk around, make coffee, but like. You know, phone. yeah. When it's nice, I, we have a backyard now. Like, w- like when it's nice, I go outside in the backyard, and yeah, just just do that. And My uh, wife and yeah. I have an agreement, like. Uh, that we don't bring our phones into bed. Yeah, we do that so, too. Like, yeah. I plug my phone in downstairs, mm-hmm. and like I'll go, up and then like no phones after like nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. So like I'm not touching my phone. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, so. definitely. Yeah, that was something that like we were talking a little bit about Steve. That like at the beginning, like he, Steve Maxwell was like my first real mentor in like all of this, and he was really big on daily rituals. I actually think that, like, you know, that might have been something he got most famous for was how like people were just so fascinated with like his his morning and nighttime rituals because he he him and joe rogan were have been good friends for a long time and like he was like one of the first fitness people joe had on his podcast going way back that's awesome yeah and and steve like shared these rituals and people were like what and i remember his email just like blowing up like people saying like like wait how do you do this what do you do that and then he would make videos on it and whatever blah 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 and so he kind of like instilled that in me in like a non- not not even a too rigid way he would just say hey like this is how this like this is just something you need to do it just brings more mindfulness to what you do so you're not so consumed by everything all the time and you know he had all kinds of stuff and so i started doing his like exactly and then over the t- over time i just kind of deviated and kind of kept what i uh, what like what worked for me and then added other things and i i think and, and not to yeah yeah up, i think the biggest thing is consistency yeah definitely definitely like as you can see with with star athletes, right? Mm-hmm. Like they consistently do the same thing every day. Right. And I think like, you know, when I went to Marcella's years ago, I think it was like six years ago, um, I started doing privates with Gianni Grimpa. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we became drill partners. And I was drilling with him five days a week. And I mean, you can't be more disciplined than that guy. Yeah, no, right? definitely. I mean, like, he's just so consistent. Right. With his, his daily routine and so plugged in yeah and I think it's like you know and it's good to be around you know you pick up some yeah. of those habits mm-hmm. I mean definitely yeah so I, I think and I think with real estate like with owning a business like if you want to dial up and scale up right like you need to consistently go there nothing healthy is going to just go up like this right exactly right? yeah then it's going to fall just as hard exactly so if you yeah. like gradually just put in a little bit every day yeah have that mindset 1% better 1% better 1% better yeah, and you, and you just like constantly feed into it. And you, that's like yeah, about to happen. So that's why, like, if I have it in my schedule and I consistently do it, yeah, I know I'm going to get better. Right, yeah. right. No, definitely. And then also on the the flip side of that too, the way I I think about things the same way, it's also nothing will surprise you too much if something goes wrong. Because like, if you have that crazy growth, the harder they come, the harder they fall. 100%. So it's like you know, if you have those hiccups, they don't they don't cause like catastrophic failure you know it's it's like oh we have we have something we got to deal with here yeah it might mean taking a step back 
but you're very familiar with the process. It doesn't shock you. It doesn't. I look you know, at it like this too on a spiritual level. Like God won't put something on your plate mm-hmm. until you're ready to handle it. Right. He's yeah. not going to like. I mean, this is a weird analogy, but mm-hmm. like, take it for what it is. Yeah, yeah. No. You're not going to win the lottery and or get all this money right. if you don't know how to handle the money you have now. Yes. Right. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. finances, like tithing or putting money into savings. If you're like blowing your money, right, you're not going to all of a sudden like become a millionaire. Right. Like you know how to need to know how to like handle your money. Right. In the same area, like mm-hmm. yeah, hundred training. Right. Yeah. Like, you go through the process of training athletes right right exactly. for maybe low to little cost right as what you would do for but you're building right. up your resume you're right you're learning how this works and you're kind of like in the trenches growing building your resume right and all of a sudden you're at this point of just consistently getting better right learning learning, learning. and then all of a sudden you're like whoa i'm training this high level person oh, whoa i have a larger gym than yeah i first started with like this is your second location right yeah and then, like dream to have something larger right right exactly like, yeah it doesn't happen overnight like Definitely you need not. to be in the trenches. You need to grow. Right. You need to. Right. And, exactly. And, and you know, like every every when you talk to anyone that's very very successful, mm-hmm. their journey didn't happen like this. No, definitely not. It was like, yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. And then they found themselves there, and they're not surprised. Right. Exactly. They've been like visualizing that, planning that, working mm-hmm. towards that for so long. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think it's. Yeah, like my, my dad always would say, like, act like you've been there before. And yeah. that's like the version of that. Like, if you scored a goal in hockey, like, don't don't act crazy. Like, just, you know, whatever. Like, go fist bump people and go to the bench. You yeah. know what I mean? Go for the face off. And it's the same thing. It's like, you know, when you, it's it's like the analogy you gave that it's like, you, you don't, you're not going to get the money if you don't know how to handle it, you know, yeah. the, or win the lottery. It's the same thing. It's like, you have to, you have to be there and learn how to be there and then it all kind of builds and then you're not surprised when you're there exactly exactly you can sit next to celebrities or you can sit next to mm -hmm. high level athlete and you can be working with them and you're like yeah I'm not surprised I've been doing this for long enough right and I'm comfortable in my ability right exactly in my knowledge that right deserve to be here yeah you know exactly and and the opportunities will come and maybe they won't but yeah exactly continue to keep doing what you're doing I think opportunities will always come Oh, definitely. One thing—it's a matter of like capitalizing and being in the right place at the right time. But I mean, yeah. But you kind of make your luck in that respect. It's like, yeah, Yeah. I always believe that—that if you're doing and being in the trenches, the one lesson I've learned too is enjoy the process too. Because there's times I look back on things where I'm like, man, that was so much fun, or like that was so cool. And like, there's were times where I was too stressed and miserable at the time to like to really give give that its due yep. and then there were other times where I was very cognizant of how cool it was that we were in that situation and I look back on those times most fondly like oh that's that was cool you know yeah. and I think so I think it's important to like you know not necessarily like lie to yourself and big up yourself oh, all yeah. the time like but just you the know the first day you start a personal training like yeah you might not be able to handle mm-hmm. a guy like Ray Hahn yeah no, going to challenge you or like yeah you're training these high level athletes like yeah Tinoco and mm-hmm. Lutes, like yeah because you might not have been comfortable with the knowledge that you had and now that you've been in the trenches long enough you know yeah what it's going to take to get them to be better right exactly yeah and, and yeah and when it, you have like a, and when you have something that you can provide to help somebody and you know it's going to help them you're excited to yeah exactly it goes back to the part too like where you were saying like how can I impact people like that's kind of in a lot of ways been 
what I think about lately is that people ask me all the time that Marcelo's or else different things they can do XYZ like people even and I don't encourage this necessarily there's been people online that have like watched either videos or blogs I wrote and like found my number and have called me <laughs> and I'm like you know like you know I talk to them and I'm like well how can I like help the biggest number of people like I'm only one person I can't sit and take like hour long yeah, yeah. phone calls with everybody but like and that's that, for like 500 bucks yeah exactly <laughs> and that's, this is not me like big up in myself at all it's just how can I help people like with like the different things that they go through like wanting to train jujitsu because they like it so much and they don't want to like they're fr these are just normal people who are yeah. like just trying to train and that's why I've really tried to reinvest in like in content creation now like making videos that I actually think are and you came out with the program right right like, yeah Mm -hmm. training for jiu-jitsu right? yeah so now people can buy like a program that you came up with and i'm sure you're gonna evolve with it yeah definitely um, yeah but, you know like they can buy training with you at like right at a lower cost and exactly and you follow along at home yeah. and yeah actually i just and like we're finally at, i don't think i've officially made the announcement but like I can do now. Today. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to do it right today. <laughs> if you've ever been to fightcampconditioning.com, they make, they're like some of the best, they put out some of the best programs for fighters of any combat sport. Like they, they, they take like the best strength coaches, some of the best coaches that um, can help you with those things that aren't specifically fighting. And whether it's conditioning for wrestling, jujitsu, MMA, boxing, whatever. And they approached me uh, end of last year and asked if I wanted to do a jiu-jitsu one for their website. So uh, we just finished doing all the filming and everything. Thank you. Yeah. So we're doing that's going to be released in March, early March, because I told them I want to do it and I want to do it in time for Worlds. So for everybody who wants to take three months to train for Worlds, I want to have it so out in it, time. So three what three month program? It's a three month like, program. At yeah. the end, that's when you should be peaking. Exactly. Yeah, that's you should cool. be at your strongest. So it's a. I remember you posted some stuff with Mateus, like mm -hmm. like some pictures like of him, and then like as he started cutting weight. So yeah, help with the nutrition too, or yeah, in when people not that program. This program that I'm releasing is is just for strength training, and okay. it's gonna have a lot of video demos. Like so, we really tried to go overboard and to make sure people. It's not just. Me like hey this is a squat this is me trying to explain things to you like okay. this is how you that, as close as we could get to be personal training without me being there or like taking calls or emails it's like just a lot of video files uh, it'll be something that you log into and can and oh, do awesome. via their website and whatnot so it'll i'm really excited about it it'll be it'll be really cool so i'm uh, when i'll obviously post more about that stuff when it's awesome. when it's closer Congrats. yeah thank you i appreciate it like, yeah comes. right yeah exactly yeah. and I, that's what i was looking at like when when he asked me because i'd known the guy for a while who runs the site and i think that's why and, like i agreed to to come and meet with you and talk with you mm -hmm. because like every time i've seen you or, or spoken to you at marcellus you've always been like such a great guy like oh, thank kind you, and you know like happy and Oh, I appreciate and, uh, that. We've always had great conversations, so no, you know I think you. that like mm -hmm. is attractive, you know. Yeah. To people, you know? Right. Yeah. Thank so. you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I try. It's like I don't know. I'm like I said, I'm generally pretty happy. I like to. I like being around Same. everybody there, yeah. and you know. So yeah, definitely. But for your question about Mateus specifically, um, when when I'm working with someone that close, I do help a lot with the nutrition, uh, especially when it comes to like combat athletes when they're cutting weight. Uh, because like there's so many bad ways to cut weight. Well, that's We've the thing. I think them, there's, so. I think there's so many different approaches, mm -hmm. and um, 
Yeah, I'd like love to get your take on it. Like, yeah, so Mateus's was interesting because do you intermittent um, fast? Do you do like macro micro? Do you do keto? Do you do paleo? Do yeah. You like so well, the mix? the it, it yeah it depends on the person really. Um, but most of the time, if somebody has to do something acute, like they have very uh, strict goals, as in like I have to be on weight on X date, or even someone who doesn't have to be on weight but wants to look a certain way or like needs wants to gain a certain amount of muscle like if they have a photo shoot or something like that those people for me the way tried and true that works for me is having them count their macros so i will always figure out will always like go that route now inside of that i'm pretty open to what people's dietary preferences are just as long as we can kind of hit some of those macros uh, as long as um, it's healthy food as long as it's not like garbage and, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, but, uh, that's the main way, like with Mateus and like combat athletes, if that particular weight cut, he had a 24 hour weigh in like the UFC would. Oh, so um, then he can kind of water cut. Yeah. So I basically did it exactly the way you would do a UFC fighter with him is that I, we dieted down to, he had to be, weigh, he had to weigh with a gi on 168. So he's I, a big guy. yeah, he's a, a big muscle, dude. Yeah. yeah, he started at like 193, and and you know, I asked him. I was like, "Do you want me to help you with this?" I was like, "I've got some experience with weight cuts. I can help you." And he was like, "He's like, oh, I think I got it, and whatever." And then about 10 days later, he came in. He's like, "I don't got it." He's like, "Can you help me with this?" And I was like, "Yeah, I got you. Don't worry." So did you do the macros with him? And yeah. Then, like, so I had a down. So he, I gave him a schedule. I gave him both him and his wife actually. I gave him the schedule because that's another thing, like a coaching thing. If you're gonna work with athletes or people who make a living from their body and their married get the spouse on board because like you're like they're the ones cooking the ones yeah or like even if they're holding not them accountable exactly even if they're not the ones that cook and do whatever it's they're the one that that's like the person you see when you wake up when you come home it's yeah. like you know you want it's a team effort and yeah, they're, they're part of the team you and you yeah want them to like never forget that, that that they're part of the team too yeah. so like that's why i always make a point of including them and, that's awesome. and, and meeting them and and that kind of, yeah yeah no she is definitely and uh we, and so, like, I was like, this is the schedule. This is how you weigh your food. This is how you do whatever. And, I mean, to his credit, like, he picked it right up. Because some people, like, I have, like, really smart people come in here. And they're like, wait, how do I do this? But Mate, I was a little like, is he going to – I know he hasn't done this before, but he came in and he was even coming up with his own recipes and stuff like that. And I was like, it worked. And, Mate and is a smart guy. He is. And, he's, and he, he's, uh, he's another one that has, like, an open mind. And yeah, exactly. Like, he wants to learn. He wants to be the best. And so mm-hmm. – He's open to it. Yeah, That's definitely. Awesome. And he, we kind and of. He's disciplined if it's like aligned with his goals, right? Like exactly. He wanted to be there, he wanted to win. And yeah, he so. can turn it on and off. So, like, when he was, he was there, he wanted to win, he was locked in, dialed in. And then he also knows when to turn it off, too. Like, you know, it didn't go his way at that Spider Korea tournament, but right. like, he was able to pull the positives out of it and say, all right, well, it's back to training, but I have a few things I need to take care of right now, priority wise. And then we're going to come back to this intense type of training for the next one, you know? So it's like a very mature point of view for it, which I appreciate as well. Um, but yeah, so we, that, that was a, it was a good cut. He started like at like 193. We got him down the, the magic territory, like was like 172 ish. And before um, the water cut, before the water cut. Yeah. And uh, so the methods I use are kind of macro. The, yeah, macro to diet and then the water cut. I hate water cuts. Like, I never, I mean, yeah. you have, it's just kind of the evil of like 24 hour weigh ins. Like, this is what people do. Yeah. But um, th- I use a lot of uh, Stan Efferding and the vertical diet. So it's, uh, he's, a, he's a famous bodybuilder. Oh, yeah, 
And yeah, definitely. He's a famous bodybuilder and again, someone lifelong learner. He's in his 50s. Like he got into bodybuilding late. He became a professional bodybuilder late in life. Like I think he was 40 or in his 40s. Became a professional powerlifter after that and like broke all these crazy world records as a powerlifter. And not only did he, he did it in his 40s, he also did it in federations where guys would like rap. This is like something I didn't realize until like maybe like a year ago. Like if you wrap your knees and you, there's certain techniques, you can add like another 20 pounds to the bar. Like you can like, you, it's, it makes it so hard to flex your knee that you pop out of it. So it gives you a little bit of a boost. And that's illegal in a lot of federations. He did it in a federation that allowed it, and he did it raw, like didn't use those. So like there, he was breaking world records that were probably set by guys who were yeah, like doing it illegally. Yeah. That's so cool. like, it's, but it, he's a lot. Now he doesn't do that competitively anymore. He was obsessed with coaching. He, uh, you know, has coached a lot of athletes in all different sports. Um, got into strong like coaching strong men. So like Hafthor Bjornsson, the mountains, so one of his clients, and then. He's a fan of fight sports, and he like went and learned from George Lockhart, and went and uh, and and already had this like very good diet that like he put out this great book, this great guide, and um, you know so I use I had you been using that on myself for the past few years, like I never felt better, you know, just keep getting stronger Same and just feel me. good. Yeah, definitely I will. Yeah, yeah. And then I reached out to him when Mateus's cut was like at the end and it went perfect. Like went to Noko and then had given me the heads up from Korea that he made weight and everything. I was like, all right, good. It worked. And I just reached out to Stan. I didn't know him. We have a lot of mutual friends, like direct right. friends, but we had never met directly. And, um, he was like, Oh my God, that's fucking amazing. And he like reposted that and we exchanged some messages and you know, it was, it was great. Yeah. I think it's awesome that you seek out advice from people that are like kind of strangers that could be mentors. Mm -hmm. And I was just like at a recent connect group and the pastor was in there. One of the pastors from the, the campus. Right. Right. And we were like sitting around talking and he, and he said, yeah, one of the mentors was this book that we were all reading like mm -hmm. a while back. And the guy's a famous author. Right. And he goes, you know, I reached out to him like a few years back and right. I just sent him a message out of the blue seeing if like he had like 30 minutes for coffee the guy lived down in DC uh -huh. like not expecting response or anything right and he ended up the guy was like yeah sure I'd love it. and he ended up going down having like like four hour conversation mm -hmm. with him coffee learned so much and now they're like super close oh that's awesome and they have yeah. conversations all the time and he's yeah. like this famous author that like mentors him right so I think that's pretty cool like I think yeah, you know, yeah, you'd be surprised that people that are at like a high or that you look up to, mm -hmm. like they would appreciate like you know yeah. people to reach out to them and take them on as mentors or help them or right. give out information. Because I think once you get to a certain level, mm -hmm. like you've always had the passion to want to help people, right? And when you see that someone's like passionate about it and they want to learn, you're just like, all right, yeah, like, yeah, I'll help you. Like, cool, right? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, no, absolutely. And it's like. We live in the best That's time. Cool, I feel like everyone that you said that you've learned from mm -hmm. is pretty like high level. Yeah, I, I like I, it all came off of like you just kind of having a connection mm -hmm. and like kind of reaching out or meeting them at some point and like yeah, no, it kind of grew organically and you, you got to be in like some pretty cool places and learn some like pretty cool stuff. Yeah, it's like it never. I always kind of looked at it like it never hurts to ask, and then you just whatever happens from there happens, and it's yeah. and you can get yourself in some really cool situations just by you know you know being like respectful obviously but just like this is the best time ever i feel like to 
be able to be connected to people because it's so easy to reach out. Like we don't have to like send letters. You have emails and Instagram and all these other things. It's very direct. And you know, that was something I learned from Steve was that you can reach out to people. Um, like, cause that was how he learned and he did it in a much harder time where he had to like write letters, look up phone numbers, leave messages and play phone tag. And then like figure out like, okay, we'll meet at this fitness conference. And then like, he'd get to meet these really cool people. Yeah. And it's meant to be, yeah. it'll happen. Exactly. So for me it was, it's just, yeah, I just, I'm like, who do I think might be helpful? And I'll try to like read their stuff. Like, and if, if you, if people are listening and like want to do that approach, the one thing I would say is like, you know, do your homework. Like I always, whenever I would reach out to these folks would be like, if they had books, I went and read them. If they had websites, I tried to consume everything I could on the website to learn about them. So that you're not like asking them to like repeat themselves. Like, so you can actually like, like in Stan's case, I learned everything I needed to like know from him just from what he wrote and just was always entertained by like his YouTube videos and whatnot. And like, I never wanted anything out of the guy. I just wanted to show him like, Hey, like your stuff. I know, you know, your stuff works, but like, here, this is a success story. And then was able to slowly build, you know, off of that. And That's really yeah, cool. so it's like, there's like, I want to show them respect for their time, obviously too. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah, but, uh, it's cool. But yeah, but I know I've kept you for a while. So let me, uh, <laughs> we, we can wrap it up. So, uh, is there anything in the like, parting words, things you want to announce, promote or anything like that? No, I mean, sweet. Yeah. That's about it. No, definitely. I, you know, I'm, I like coming out here and, and doing this and I feel like, you know, we have like minds. So definitely yeah. a great conversation. And yeah, you know, I'm looking to kind of start a podcast down the road. Yeah. For like entrepreneurs and people that are trying to do multiple things at once. And like I was saying before, like how do they fit it in mm -hmm. and like, how do they focus on just like being good at all these different things and thriving and yeah, you know, and having a healthy marriage. Right. Because, yeah. Or relationship or friendships. Or right. Because exactly. It's tough when you're doing so much and then you're drained, you come home and the last thing you want to do is like ask your spouse how her day was. Yeah, yeah, right? like, exactly. Yeah, because you're like, oh man, I just poured out so much into training. I poured out so much into like business, right. and and I've heard from like multiple friends who've like had, you know, bad marriages or yeah. marriages ending because they would just work so hard and they would come home and they wouldn't have time for their spouse. Right, exactly. You know? mm -hmm. So I, another book I'd recommend. So I recommended the um, the morning, the miracle morning, miracle morning. And yeah, another mm -hmm. one for relationships I'd recommend is the five love languages. Mm, yes. I've heard of that one. I don't yeah. know if you've mm -hmm. heard of that, but yeah, you know, if people are in a, in a relationship or in a marriage, I, I'd really highly recommend that because yeah. everyone's love language is different. Right. And so, yeah, you, know, you, you kind of find out what your spouse responds better to. Right. So like some don't respond well to you giving them a gift. Right. It's more of like affection, right? Right. Like guys love talks. Time, like, right? I love mm -hmm. like, you know we're guys. We want sex. Right? Yeah, like, right. <laughs> and we want affirmation. Like we want to know. Like we're the men. Like right. Yeah, we're awesome. You know. Mm -hmm. So it's funny. Like and women might not know like that. That's what we need all the time. Right. You know. So it's yeah, a communication yeah. thing. Right. But it's like I think that book's pretty cool. Too. Nice. No. Thanks for the that recommendation. Topic, no. No. Please. No. It's all part of it. It's all relevant. No. Definitely. And when you when you start that podcast, come back. We'll have another conversation. Yeah, or still. you're you're welcome anytime. Obviously. Awesome. Man. Yeah. And we'll we'll announce it too. Yeah. I appreciate definitely, it. Definitely. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Hopefully that camera's still running. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, man. Take Thanks, care. Bro. Appreciate it. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it.